Right, so we're in Matthew chapter 6. I'm going to be reading from verse 9. Matthew chapter 6, reading from verse 9. Pray then like this. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Let's pray. Father, we cannot thank you enough for the scriptures. But help us to to hunger and thirst after the scriptures so that we can grow up in Christ, that we can be satisfied in you alone. We know nothing in this world can satisfy us but you, your Son, your Spirit, and your Word. So help us, Father. Help us to learn from the Lord's Prayer. Help us to, to grow in our prayer life. And help us to step out of our, our comfort zone and, and, and come and pray on a Sunday evening when we begin again at the end of the month. And, and, and pray generally. Father, may, may you see us as a church praying. Praying not just for ourselves, but for this country and for, and for this, this world as well. But thank you now, Father, that we can preach from your word that teaches us your truth and gives us wisdom and insight in how to pray. Thank you, Father. Thank you for your son, Jesus, that in him is hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. Thank you, Father. Pray and ask this all in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, we're going to continue in the Lord's Prayer. Last Sunday, we looked at verses 9 and 10, and we looked at the character of God in those verses. And the reason why we want to continue in the Lord's Prayer is because we need to learn how to pray. And we also must know that our prayers can accomplish much. If you don't agree with me, then listen to what James said. He wrote in his letter in in chapter 5, verse 16, The effective prayer of a righteous man and woman can accomplish much. It doesn't mean that every time we pray that our prayers are going to be answered. That's not what it's saying. Because there are times when our prayers are not answered. And they do disappoint us because there are sometimes we're in a desperate situation and we want our prayers answered. But God sometimes holds back to teach us patience and to wait on Him. But do we believe that our prayers can accomplish much? Sitting here this morning, do we believe that our prayers can accomplish much? Maybe you've stopped praying. Maybe you've stopped praying because God is not answering your prayer. Maybe you think God has abandoned you. Maybe it's just a weakness in you that you're not going to pray according to Scripture. If you're in the Scriptures daily, if we're reading God's Word, we, have, we learn how to pray. We learn how to pray the Bible. There's lovely books out there. Pray in the Psalms. Pray in the whole Bible. They teach us. We read the Word and we pray it back to God, giving Him thanks. And the Lord's Prayer, the beautiful thing about the Lord's Prayer, is it keeps our prayers simple and stick to the basics. You watch rugby, when they don't stick to the basics, look what happens to the game. It's a mess, it's a shamble. 
But if we keep it simple and stick to the basics, then we can honor God in our prayer life. Prayer is supposed to be so simple. The Christian life is supposed to be simple. But because of us in our fallen nature, we can complicate things. Our pride gets in the way. Our ego gets in the way. Our arrogance gets in the way. But I'm here to encourage us to, to, to look to this prayer. A beautiful quote that someone said, The Lord's Prayer is the prayer that turns the world upside down. Again, we need to believe that. And embrace it. We are commanded to pray. This is what Jesus said. Pray then like this. He, he's, he's, he's calling us to pray. So let's continue this morning in looking at the Lord's Prayer. Looking at it in a way that it can teach us to pray for our prayers to accomplish much. And this morning we're going to focus on verses 11 to 13. And we come now to our second thing. You can listen to last week's sermon and you will learn about our first thing, the character of God, looking at verses 9 and 10. And now this morning we are looking at verses 11 to 13 and we're going to be looking at basically three things in verse 11, verse 12 and verse 13. But as we come now to verse 11, we see that it's about praying for our personal needs. And obviously, we still, as we pray, verse 11, give us this day our daily bread, we will also see how much prayer can accomplish and how much prayer can accomplish in our lives. It's amazing how, how the Lord's Prayer starts. It starts with verses 9 to 10. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. It's, it's praising God for who He is. It's making God big. And then hopefully what you start asking for, it's so insignificant sometimes. It's so small. You start realizing this great God can help me. But sometimes we start the other way around. And we might be in a situation where we start crying out to the Lord to help me. But if we should focus on God first, read the Psalms and you'll see they give praise to God first. Then they start asking God for specifics. And yeah, in this verse 11, we turn to praying for our needs, our own needs and the needs of our brothers and sisters in the church. We are a needy people. Before we were saved, our need was salvation. And now that we are saved, we need God to sustain us. Not only in our spiritual life, but also in our physical life. Because if we don't have bread for our physical life, how do we live out the spiritual life? You try and be active when you haven't eaten for a few days. See how your prayer life is. See how you are. See how your attitude is. When you're hungry and you start getting grumpy, that's who you really are. We can blame the food. We can blame my hunger. But that's what's going on in our hearts. And, and, and we've all been through times when we're hungry. Reading around, a person said, God has designed humans to be dependent. We are dependent on each other. 
Our lives are weak and frail and completely dependent on the goodness and kindness of God when it comes to His provision. We're dependent on each other. I'm dependent on the congregation to receive an income so I can put food on my table. You know the consequences if the income dissolves. You know the consequences. We all know that. But it's a beautiful thing is this prayer is not just focusing on God, provide my daily bread for me. It's also helping me shift from myself to others. And we are dependent on God. No one can say that I need God as a Christian. You can't say that. Maybe outside there, the non-Christian, the unbeliever, the atheist, they will tell you that I need God. Look, look, I'm a self-made millionaire. How did God help me? I did it myself. I never saw him once involved in my life. But we are dependent on each other and mostly we are dependent on God. Just like children are dependent on their parents. Who feeds Geneva? Who helps Geneva in the mornings? Who helps Luna Marie and Nelika when they get up in the morning? They are dependent on their parents to feed them. I don't remember as a child waking up worrying about if I'm going to get breakfast. It was there. Who did the worrying? My parents, if they, if they were concerned about their jobs. Children never worried. They just, we just woke up and there was the food on the table. Thank you, Dad. Thank you, Mom. There was lunch. There were sandwiches in our lunch boxes. It's for school. And some shared and some didn't share. I know when you're hungry at school, it's very hard to share if someone left their sandwiches behind because then you struggle. But we are dependent on our, like we are dependent on our parents, we are dependent on God to, to help us. And if you want to know why we're dependent on each other in the church, well, Paul reminds us, let the thief no longer steal but rather let him labor, doing honest work with his own hands so that he may have something to share with anyone in need. God has given us work and a salary at the end of the month to share. Obviously, you take care of your family. First, they're most, they are important. And then you see how you can help someone in need. And I'm not speaking about the person that is lazy, that is just, just not doing anything. Yes, you might have to help them, but think of someone that is struggling financially because the work can't pay them their full salary. Think of COVID. You've had family, you've had friends that have lost jobs. People's salaries have taken cuts. And did we help them? Did we come alongside them and, and, and meet their needs? As we pray, Father, give us this day our daily bread. Jesus is teaching us that we have no sufficiency in and of ourselves. Our sufficiency comes from God. That's why I love it when Jesus says, Man does not live on bread alone, but on every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. Our first food is to feed on God's word. Then... We feed on the physical food. Our first thing in the morning. I know when I get up in the morning, the first thing I do is I have a cup of coffee and a rusk, or just a cup of coffee. 
Then I get into my quiet time. And there's nothing wrong with that. Maybe you do need breakfast first thing in the morning before you can sit down and have your quiet time. There's nothing wrong with that. But don't let the food be your enjoyment. Man does not live on bread alone, but on every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. But we need to pray. Give us this day our daily bread. Because it's telling us we have no sufficiency in and of ourselves. And the beautiful thing is, it's telling us. Do you notice the word daily? It doesn't say, give us this day our bread. Give us this day our daily bread. We should be praying this every morning. Father, please continue to help us. Continue to provide for us. Thank you for our work. You don't know what your job's going to be like in, in three months, four months, five months' time. You don't know what the company's going to be like. You don't know if you're going to have food on the table in six months' time. We don't even know what this country's going to be like in six months' time. The world. But what we do know is we are called to pray. And the beautiful thing is, give us this day our daily bread, is, is, is forcing us to be dependent on God and not ourselves. And if we're thanking God in the hard times, we will keep thanking Him in the good times. And it's always the good times when it's prosperous that we start, we don't need to thank God anymore. And if we are praying for our daily bread and our daily bread comes along that gives us sustenance to keep on worshipping our Heavenly Father, keep on walking in His ways, hallowing His name, living out the Christian life. We need food to live. When you look at the Israelites, it's amazing how God provided for them in the wilderness. They grumbled. And even when they grumbled and complained about their needs, in the wilderness God gave them manna, and that was bread, and, and quail, that is the meat. And God said, I will provide for you. At night time, I will give you quail, and during the, in the morning, manna will fall. And you must collect enough for the day. And some people didn't. They collected more. Greed. But they complained. But the Lord continued to graciously give them. The Israelites in the wilderness, their clothing did not wear out. Their sandals did not wear out. For 40 years, God sustained them. That's why we read Scripture, because we are encouraged to see, wow, look how God looked after these Israelites for 40 years. What does that do for me? It encourages me, it gives me comfort and hope that I can trust in God for my life on this earth for how many years He's given me. If it's 40, 50, 60, I don't know. It's not going around now to see if I have a pair of shoes that they're going to last for 40 years. Look, God watched over me. No, it's not even teaching us that. It's teaching us that we can trust in God to sustain us in this life because He's the controller, sustainer, and provider of the universe. God loves us more than we'll ever, ever fathom. And He takes care of His children. David said, I've never seen any of, of God's children go a-begging. But we can look to this, this prayer. Give us this day our daily bread. And we can learn that we can trust God. And when we pray it as well, 
Give us this day our daily bread. It also points to the bread of life. Jesus, that satisfies us alone. And if we allow Jesus to satisfy us alone, and we are praying, then we will see how much our prayers can accomplish. And how we, how we are not just praying for our own daily needs, but when we pray our Father, we start thinking of Joe and Peter and Pam and June. We think of their needs. We think of people that are struggling in the church. We think of their needs. And when you start praying for other people's needs, sometimes God stirs you up to go to that person and help them. Not always come running to the church. Church, church, someone needs your help. No, no. God has put it in your heart to help them. And may we be reminded that give us this day our daily bread. And then he moves on to forgiveness and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. That's another thing in this Lord's Prayer that can teach us that our prayers accomplish much. And in verse 12, we're looking at Jesus teaching us to take forgiveness seriously. And forgiveness is something you can hide because people, doesn't, people don't see what's going on in your heart if you are really forgiving people or not. God sees that. You know, if... if, if I don't want to... If we see someone sinning, they're caught up in adultery or... Someone's caught up, in, caught up in fornication or someone stealing. We go to them and we can correct them through the scriptures and we can help use scriptures to help them because we see what's going on in their lives. Forgiveness should be seen the same. If you struggle with forgiveness, you should talk to someone and, and, and become accountable to them and say, listen here, Joe or Jack, listen here, you don't see what's going on in my heart. I'm struggling to forgive, but... I'm going to let you know when I struggle to forgive so you can help me. Because it's serious. Sin. And forgiveness is not easy. Forgiveness is, is hard. Especially when the person repeats the situation. But Jesus told Peter, if they sin 72 times, you forgive them 72 times. But the person that is sinning, must be careful that they're not practicing that sin 72 times because people that practice sin will not enter into the kingdom of God. So it's two ways. We must always examine our heart. And the, the beautiful thing about debtors, now you need to go back to history to understand debts in Jesus' day. If a family got into debt, the husband was jailed. And then it was up to the wife to provide, to clean that debt, clear it away, so the husband could come out of jail again, or come out of jail. If you owed someone money and, and you didn't pay them, you were jailed. The debt was punishable by prison sentence. And when Jesus mentions debt here, and forgive us our debts, as we also have forgiven our debtors, people are going to realize, whoa, forgiveness and forgiving our debts is something serious. It's not just something we, we, we look over and ignore. 
Jesus' use of the word debts is meant to evoke in our mind both a serious offence and a corresponding serious punishment, someone wrote. To be forgiven a debt was not a mere trifle, but an act of great mercy. You know the, the, the one parable of that, that, that man that went to the king and asked him to forgive him for his debts, and the king said, yes, I forgive you. And what did that man do? He went to everybody else and he asked for them to give back money, those that were in debt to him, and he put them in prison. Kind of strangled them, he got cross with them. What should he have done? He should have forgiven them just like the king had forgiven him. So that is how we are. God has forgiven us in Christ Jesus, He has forgiven us of our, our sin. The first forgiveness comes when you put your faith and trust in the Lord Jesus Christ and all your sin, past, present, future, has been forgiven. Your slate has been wiped clean. And that's why there's that verse that says, Be kind to one another and tender-hearted, forgiving one another as God in Christ forgave you. So that makes us think, Wow, how can I not forgive Joe for offending me where I see God has forgiven me who was worthy of death, who didn't deserve forgiveness. So if we, if we, if we can't forgive people, then, then the question is, has God forgiven me? Because if God has forgiven you, it, it, it eventually rubs off into your life. If you are, if you are in God's word, you are convicted. Hey, whew, I struggled with forgiveness. I need now to change my attitude. And I need now to forgive Joe. Because be kind to one another and tender-hearted. Forgiving one another as God in Christ forgave you. And it's important. Because the problem when we don't forgive is sin. And if we don't forgive people, then we are captured by the devil to do his will. God has saved us to become forgiving people. We move from being forgiven to forgiving people. And none of this is easy. That's why we're reminded, forgive us our debts, as we also have forgiven you, you our debtors. If we want our prayers to accomplish much, we must be confessing our sin, asking God to forgive us, but we must also forgive people that have sinned against us. Like I said, if God has forgiven me, then I need to forgive those around me. And if I am doing that, then my prayers will accomplish much. I think it's Peter who says this in... Um, Peter says this, I've got it in front of my eyes, but I can't find the sentence. Yeah, verse 7. Likewise, husbands, live with your wives in an understanding way, showing honour to the women 
as the weaker vessel, since they are heirs with you of the grace of life, so that your prayers may not be hindered. See how we treat our wives, how we treat people, we don't forgive people. Our prayers will be hindered and they will not accomplish much. Again, it's going back to God's word and looking to God and asking him to help us. Help us to to pray daily for our provision, for our water, our clothes and the food that is on the table. Pray daily to, to, to help us to forgive confess our sins that he can forgive us and forgive our debtors. And then he moves on to verse 13, and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. There's another part of this this prayer, the Lord's Prayer, that can help us in our prayer life to accomplish much. And verse 13 is praying, fighting the enemy. When last have we prayed and woken up and actually prayed, Lord, please, today, I'm going out there into this wicked, perverse, fallen world. Satan wants to do everything to destroy me. And I too can be reckless and careless. Please lead me not into temptation, but deliver me from evil. Help me. Just like we pray daily for our daily bread, we should be praying daily, fighting temptation. The world is not a safe place. It's a dangerous place. The Bible teaches us this, that the devil and his demons are real and and these invisible enemies just want to destroy our spiritual lives. They want to destroy our church. And they don't come, come in darkness or black. They are angels disguised in light. They can rise up amongst us. The best way to fight the enemy is in prayer. The best way to walk our Christian life in this world is in prayer. But not prayer alone, it's prayer plus God's word working together. We read the scriptures and then we pray them back. We need this petition because Jesus is teaching us to pray regularly against temptation. And he's he's teaching us to pray for endurance in the fight against temptation. Sin is dangerous and it's always going to be there because we live in a fallen world world sin and temptation are harsh masters that's why we should be praying for help from god to keep us away from sin and temptation one thing we need to know and james tells us that god does not tempt us god does not tempt us god will test us but he does not tempt us let no one say when he is tempted i'm being tempted by god For God cannot be tempted with evil, and He Himself tempts no one. But but, but God will test us, but He will never tempt us into sin. And that's what He did. He tested the Israelites in the wilderness to see what was in their heart. And because they didn't rely on God and His word, they fell into temptation. And they sinned. You can go and see how they walked. You can go look, read about the golden calf. We must recognize our own temptations. They are real. And they are a daily threat to our walk with the Lord. We all have weaknesses. 
We are all weak in certain ways. And that's why we must pray that God will deliver us from our own personal patterns of temptation. Everyone here will have a pattern of temptation. Everyone will have a sin that they need God to deliver them from. Paul knew that. That's why Paul, in the, in the beautiful letter to the church of Ephesus, he writes... Finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of His might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. The schemes of the devil. He's always scheming. He's always deceiving. Who tempted Jesus in the wilderness? Satan. You can say God tested Jesus in the wilderness. Satan tempted Jesus in the wilderness to see if we would faithfully hold on to the scriptures. We need to be strong in the Lord and we need to put on the whole armor of God. What is the whole armor of God? Well, we can read it there. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day and having done all, stand firm. Stand therefore, having fastened on the belt of truth and having put on the breastplate of righteousness and as shoes for your feet, having put on the readiness given by the gospel of peace, in all circumstances, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming darts of the evil one. And take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God. And then he says in verse 18, Praying at all times in the Spirit with all prayer and supplication. You're clothing yourself in God's word. You're preparing yourself for battle, but prayer also is there for the battle as well. Because our fight is not against flesh and blood. It's against the spiritual darkness forces of this world. Yes, we deal with people in flesh and blood, but we don't physically take them out with a sword or a weapon. Our fight is, is with God's word and prayer. And we need to, to make sure that we're in God's word, word because our war is not just with people. Our war is also with our own desires. And our greatest enemy is indwelling sin. It's in us. We are tainted with sin. We are all idolatrous. The more you, you are in God's word, the less of an idolatry you are. Calvin said our hearts are a factory of idols. And if you aren't in God's word, you're not going to know what those idols are. And we need to come together in prayer. And we need to hear people praying for us. And we need to... That's why in Hebrews 10, verses 23 to 25, let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering. For He who has promised is faithful. And let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together, as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day drawing near. We don't only meet together when we come and worship and praise God on a Sunday, but we should also meet together in prayer. Praying together is part of the protection against sin. We pray. We can share that we're struggling. We don't have to get personal. You should have a friend or someone that you can share your, your, your sins with, that they can pray for you. 
Sin is powerful. Satan is powerful. But together with God's word, together in prayer, together in singing, and if we hold one another accountable, we can fight the good fight for the sake of Christ. And the reason why we come together in prayer is because we are frail in our flesh and we must together pray for protection from temptations from evil. We need to help one another. Let us remember these, 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 these things I've spoken of. Last week we looked at God's character. This week we looked at praying for our personal needs and, and the needs of the community. Forgiving one another. Not only confessing our own sin and asking God to forgive us, but forgiving people that, that offend us and, and, and sin against us. And if they sin against us, they sin against God first. And then fighting our enemy together in prayer. We, we come together and we help each other with our temptations and for God to deliver us from evil. It's amazing how simple this prayer is, but it focuses on the basics. Let us ask God every day to give us wisdom to endure in prayer. Pray in the Lord's Prayer, not by rote, but using it as a means to flesh out our prayers. Let's pray. Father, we, we thank you for Jesus. We thank you that he is our high priest. And we're reminded in Scripture that, that we have a high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God. And, and let us hold fast our confession. Because we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who in every respect has been tempted as we are, yet without sin. Therefore we can, with confidence, draw near to the throne of grace that we may receive mercy and grace to help in time of need. And so, Father, help us to embrace these truths so we become men and women of prayer, not only in our own private lives, but corporately and congregationally as well when we come together on a Sunday, that we will see men praying, women praying, when we open up the floor for prayer. And we will see people rushing to our prayer meetings because they need prayer in their own lives. Father, help us. Help us not to take our walk lightly because it is on a narrow road. But thank you for your grace. Thank you for your mercy. Please help me as a pastor to grow in my own prayer life, Father. Not only in, in my own quiet time, but here in the pulpit as well, Father. So I can lead by example. Help me, Father. Help us all. And I do thank you for those that do pray for our church in private. Thank you, Father. There are men and women that are praying for Robertson Reformed Community Church. And not only for this church, but this community, this country and the world. So thank you for how you stirred up men and women to pray. You know who they are, and I thank you for that. Some things are done in secret, and I thank you for that, Father. But some things are done so that we can also hear and be encouraged through prayer. So, Father, thank you now for this morning. Thank you again. We had an opportunity to look at Scripture and especially the Lord's Prayer. Our Jesus has said, pray like this. So help us, Father. Pray in us this all in Jesus' name. Amen.